Welcome to Savage and just a little bit average down here at the 6-0 Football Academy in Parker, Colorado off of Progress. I am your host, Matt McChuzzy, as always. My co-host, Cody Rourke to my right. He's going to be sitting in with us as we go on this journey here. I'm the Savage. He's a little bit average, but everybody's a little <laughs> bit average when it comes down to it. No offense, Cody. And we are honored today to have my man, a good friend of mine, and a, an unbelievable Bronco for many years, 10-year NFL veteran, Derek Wolf in the fucking house. D. Welcome, brother. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, in studio, in the lobby here at 6 Football Academy, uh, the mecca here in Parker uh, for, for the guys who want to do it the right way. Uh, remember, you can follow us on TikTok, on Instagram, and on Twitter. The TikTok page, we are live today. What's up, everybody? TikTok live uh, at 6 Academy underscore 60. Make sure you follow the page. And then on Instagram, at 6 Academy, and Twitter, at 6 Academy. Uh, Cody, what are your handles so everybody can get a, get a handle on what you're doing? At Cody Rourke NFL on Twitter is usually where I interact, and obviously we'll be here. Looking forward to Brian coverage, all things football, preps, life, everything in between, man. Super excited. And then Mile High Sports. Tell them about your shows on Mile High Sports. So I'll be covering the Denver Broncos daily for Mile High Sports. We'll be traveling home and away games every practice. We had to cover. And then, obviously, Derek's Instagram page is awesome. What's, what's your Instagram, Derek, so I can give you a follow? It's DerekWolf95. DerekWolf95. My Durango, number 95. All right, so let's get into this shit. Ten-year NFL veteran Derek Wolf joining us here. Um, so, right off the bat, okay, one thing I always like to, to ask the vets, you know, I played both ways. It was it was the best thing that ever happened to me, but at the same time, I always wish I could have just kept playing defense. The first number I ever wore in, in the NFL was 95. Knuckles, baby. Yeah. Good, you know, like mine. Um, I always think about, like, if the offensive line mat played the defensive line mat in, like, a Doctor Strange, like, multiverse, multiverse fucking crazy world, who would win? So I, I come to this question. You played 10 years. You played with some unbelievable players. Who's the best offensive lineman you ever played against? The guy that, like, now I'm not going to say give you trouble because I've never seen you, like, have trouble with anybody. But that guy that's like, shit, I can't get him inside. I can't beat him around the corner. I, he's on my ass all the time. He's in my ear. Who's that guy? There's two guys that come to mind. Uh, first guy, it was both my both times was my rookie year. It was Joe Thomas. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Absolute dog. and just a, He was big, strong, and smart. And then Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown. The, the, he's with Seattle now, right? Yeah, but when he was with Houston, it was my rookie year, and I had been like, I don't know, my confidence was pretty high because I was kind of manhandling pretty much everybody else I went against. I was and, playing that four technique pretty much better than anybody else. And you're, you were the first-round pick for Denver, even though you were a second-round pick. Yeah. You were the first pick of the draft that year. They traded back and took you, what, first pick of the second round? Second pick uh, the second 36 round. picks. Yeah, so, so that was a big-time get for Denver. So why did Dwayne and Joe give you so many problems at the four tech? I think it was because, like, my strength – at that point, strength didn't matter. It was all about technique with those guys. You know what I mean? And uh, the Joe Thomas thing, it was like I got, in his, I got into his chest and he had me on the outside of my – I like, I stayed on the block too long. You know what I mean? And he just kind of was like, shoop, see ya, and dumped me. And I was like, oh, shit, you know. He's like, the first right. Hall of Famer, right? Absolutely. It's got to be, right? Absolutely. You think Dwayne's a Hall of Famer too? I think so. Do you, let me ask this question. Do you think the standard for Hall of Fame is still as high as it used to be? Because I hear I hear a lot of stuff like I, I I was listening to the the athlete podcast the other day the one that Brandon Marshall does and they were talking about like Deshaun Jackson and he was like unequivocally first ballot Hall of Fame and I was like no doubt you're a hell of a player like you, you're a great player Deshaun but first ballot Hall of Fame like that's that's bold 
I mean, it's a bold statement. I, I think he's like in the, he should be in the talks for Hall of Fame, you know, but I don't think, if, I don't know about first ballot, you know what I'm saying? Because I've played with first ballot Hall of Fame. Absolutely. You know what DeMarcus I mean? Ware, DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller. Manning, Von Miller. Um, you know, I think Akeem Tlaib is right there. First ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I think I think Chris Harris Jr., I think people still play him. I think he's still playing. I think he played some really great football for about nine years. I mean, for about nine years, he was the best slot corner there was. Man, it's just you look back on that on that Super Bowl 50 team, and even the, the, the year before, you guys were pretty good. But that Super Bowl 50 team, that defense, you look back on it now and – Talib, Chris Harris Jr., Stewart, TJ, you, Demarcus Ware, Von Miller, and we're forgetting how how many Danny just great Trevathan. I mean, dudes everywhere. If when you look back at that that unit, like I personally think, and it's a homer pick, but if I'm going to sit here and talk about like best defenses of all time, and Cody jump in on this too, you got the '85 Bears are up there. I'm not saying they're number one, but they're up there. 2000 Ravens up there. They were unbelievable. But I've never seen anybody just dominate football games, not only dominate, but in the playoffs especially, against top-tier competition, Tom Brady, the NFL MVP. Just talk about that year Super Bowl 50, and just then we'll get into some of the best defenses of all time. What up, David Bruton? David Bruton's in the house. Hey, <laughs> I'll tell you, man. That, so that season was like – it was so up and down because – Peyton was – he had, like, plantar fasciitis or something. He could barely throw a full – he couldn't plant to throw a full. He was hurt. He was hurting bad. And, uh, you know, it was just like – it didn't – no matter what happened, our def- – we had Wade Phillips, right? Wade Phillips is a genius. And he's one of the best – he's probably the best coordinator ever. He's definitely the best coordinator I've ever played for, ever. Like, I mean, David will – Pull up a chair, Doug. He's, he was the for best. For real. He's the best I ever, I've ever played for. And I would have – I mean, I would have died for that guy because he was just – like an unbelievable coach and like a fatherly figure, you know, and he loved his players. And we just, we just had this mentality. It was you like, just walk in front of the camera, Dick. It's okay. Walking. <laughs> You're good right there. We had this mentality that it didn't, it didn't fucking matter. Like it didn't matter what happened. If there was a turnover and we like, we looked forward to it. We looked forward to going back out on the field. We couldn't wait to get back out there because we knew we were going to fuck somebody up. Like we knew it was going to be, and the rules were different. You could fuck the quarterback up. You could land on him. You know what I mean? You could you could play football. You know, and I feel like they changed the rules. The quarterback after, up, after land on him. After what we did in the playoffs, to the carry team, him down the fucking mountain like the bear you shot. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. it was a lot more fun than it was. It, this last couple of years were just not as fun because you can't hit when you can't land on a fucking quarterback. It's like. Dude, I, since I was seven years old, that was like it's the number one thing you want to do. My coaches were like, land on them. Yeah, just land, sternum, feel you, lift, destruction. Um, That's the way it him. works. That make him feel you. And I, I, I could think of certain games where I changed. I know that I changed the game. Like that 2015 season, we were playing the Green Bay Packers. The first drive, Aaron Rodgers rolls out. I get him. I get to him, and he releases the ball just as I'm hitting him, and I landed on him, and I heard the air leave him. <sighs> you know, and I knew that he was going to be thinking about that the rest of the game. <laughs> He's going to be thinking, and the same with Tom Brady. You know, we, I remember Elvis telling me that once you hit, Elvis Dumerville told me, he's like, when you, once you hit him, there's another guy that could be mentioned in the Hall of Fame. Dude, Elvis was a yeah. fucking animal. Absolute dog. I mean, when I was with, when I was with Denver and I was on offense, Elvis was on defense, and like Elvis would do shit, and he, he had this move where he'd come up the field and he would like fake the straight arm and you would sit on it and he'd be like, whoop, and he'd dip, dip right and move underneath you at like knee level, dog. And yeah. you're like punching down. And half the time after you punch, when you would feel your inside hand, 
he would spin off of it, mm-hmm. and the the old lineman would just like fucking fall, and he'd oh. pop. And I mean, Elvis Dumerville was a bad ass player, man. He yeah. was one bad dude at defensive end, and a great human too. Great human. And just I just wish that they could figure out the goddamn fax machine, bro. I know, right? you know what I'm saying? What the fuck? That was my like welcome to the NFL moment when I realized how much bullshit goes on. <laughs> he ended up going to Baltimore right after that. Yeah. Too, so it kinda it kinda played out, but kinda touching on what you had mentioned earlier about the defense. You guys just knew if the game had to come down to your guys' hands, you were comfortable with it. But there were times where like, okay, the offense was struggling. Was there anything that you guys said to each other defensively in the huddle, like, hey, if we're gonna win this game, it's on us. We have to get a takeaway, we have to get a pick six. I mean, Akeeb, I think, had what, two or three that year? No. I mean, <laughs> Chris Harris had one. I mean, what was that mentality like for you? I mean, we always talk about, uh, you know, Def Wu. I mean, that is the mentality you guys have had as a defense. Yeah, we just were – nobody could fuck with us. We just knew that we weren't going to be fucked with. That it didn't matter who we were playing, what was Ready going on. somebody's van. I'm telling you. It didn't matter what. It was like – that was the thing when you talk about was anything said. We didn't have to say shit to each other because it was expected. And if you – if somebody – there was accountability. And that's what, like – that's what's lacking in this generation – this new generation. Amen to that, brother. Is there's no accountability. People, people fuck up. And you, I mean, how many times are you watching a football game now if, at all levels? And there's somebody that fucks up and you see them throwing their hands up and pointing to somebody else. It's, it's your fault. Yeah. They want to blame somebody else. They want to take responsibility. Everybody on that team from special teams to from the kicker all the way to the fucking, you know, backup center. Everybody was accountable for their actions. And if they fucked up, they took it. They made sure they made up for that play. Like I'm going to make up for it. And I'm going to go make a play this next time. You know, whether it be a sack fumble, you know, and a sack fumble, pick six, you know, an interception, get a block on that interception. And the hustle that we showed, like we were going to – nobody was going to take a playoff because we would watch that film together and you didn't want to be that guy. That's – you know what I mean? You get called out quick. You don't want to be that guy that's standing around fucking clock watching. So, look, Bill Kolar, okay? You know Bill Kolar, obviously, okay? Bill Kolar was my first defensive line coach in the NFL. Okay, when I was with the St. Louis Rams way back in the fucking day, tell you how old the big guy is. Uh, but he was your defensive line coach, right? How long was Bill your defensive line Six coach? Six years. Six years. Okay, I only had him for a half of a year, and the the what he instilled in me and what I took from college, but then he just like ratcheted it up another notch. The if you don't chase the ball, you'll never play. If I don't get full effort, you'll never play. There's other guys here that will do it. If you won't. No, like, absolutely zero, like, feeling sorry for anybody, no sympathy. But if you're one of his guys, he will take a bullet for you. Absolutely. And I, look, what just having him as your first defensive line coach, just elaborate on how much he taught you and how it just took you from A to, you know, potentially, in my opinion, I don't know how you guys feel about this, being his ex-teammate and being in the media, but I think you're a ring of famer here in Denver, and they need to put that 9-5 up in the fucking rafters. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But when it comes to Bill, so my first three years in the league, I had uh, Jay Rogers. And uh, Jay was a first – he was like an assistant before I – because it was Nunley, right? Mm-hmm. Nunley was the D-line okay. coach. And yeah. Wayne Nunley, and he was having some issues, some health issues. So that was the D-line coach when I first got here, and then – after rookie minicamp, he was like, I, you know, I can't do it anymore. So Jay took over and, uh, I love Jay. Like we still have a good relationship, but he didn't really know what he was doing yet. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't know, he didn't, he wasn't able to like establish that, like the D line is going to take on the, the aggression and the attitude of the coach, whatever the coach is, is 
pushing and preaching, that's what the D-line is going to take. Damn straight. And now you take a quarterback and have him try to coach D-line, there's going to be a learning curve. You know what I'm saying? And he ended up doing he ended up doing well as a D line coach. He went to Chicago and had had a lot of success with those guys. You know, Akeem Hicks is, is, was over there, and he had some good good defensive linemen over there. But when Bill got here, that that motherfucker was like, "Look, he's like, you're gonna." He's like, "I thought I played hard. I like I that was instilled in me in college. Like I had fucking Butch Jones in college, and that guy's a psychopath." Chasing me around the fucking bullhorn all the time, screaming, and yelling. Like, Get moving, Derek. There's fucking NFL scouts everywhere, and he's like, "You're fucking lazy. Let's go." You know? <laughs> I'm like, "Oh shit!" You know, no fighting. What are you fighting for? That's what we do. I'm like, I can't help it. I'm a fucking psycho. That's you know? People <laughs> fight. You know, so he when Bill got here, he did he kind of did that same thing. He would like, you know, we'd be at practice. He'd be out there howling at me and shit, and screaming and yelling and like encouraging me to go make plays. Like, hey. And he, he always used to tell me like, "Oh, you get one sack and you fucking give up. You don't want to. You don't want. You don't want to get two, three sacks again. You get one fucking sack and that's it. That's all you care about." I'm like, "Bill, I'm fucking trying. I swear. I swear I'm fucking <laughs> try trying. harder. Try fucking harder." Hey, so so brute. I'm gonna hand you the mic here, but playing behind them, playing behind Derek and Demarcus and Vaughn and Trevathan and Malik Jackson. And I mean, good Lord in heaven, just talk about like playing behind them and the DB room with all those great players, right? You're sitting in the DB room. Do you guys just sit there and like, Oh, we're going to get about 15 opportunities this week to make some plays. Man, a hundred ten percent. We sat back there. It's like shit. Let's send the dogs. We know Wade was only (laughs) going to send blitzes and we were just going to sit there and just try to jump shit all game. Playing behind those guys, I was I was lucky to play safety behind them, but also a linebacker for a lot of our third down like shit. shit. Yep, yep, and play that dime backer. And I'm like, I got to fucking do a run fit? I never got touched. Like, these fuckers <laughs> ate up all the fucking blocks. I'm like, cool, scot-free, boom. There's okay, no cool. You're not climbing. Yeah, no, I'm, they, you're not climbing. No, nobody got to the second level every time I was down there. Draw, screen, nothing, nothing came up to the second level to me when I played. So I was like. We got something special up, up front, and then we just fed off each other's energy. Like what Derek was saying is like, shit, the offense will turn it over. We hear hear them howling, wolfing, and shit like that shit. We're feeding into the DB room. DB room doing this. Oh, DB room Lord, feeding it back God, down, God, back God. down there. Like we just – it was a whole different energy down there, man. Like we knew that we were going to do the shit. And it got to a point the offense even knew – like we were the saving fucking grace of, of the yeah, team. 100%. They they 100%. realized that, and we we would talk shit to even to the offense oh, yeah. at, at some point in time. Like Emmanuel, I remember Emmanuel talking shit to Chris and the key. Oh, they used and to they get, were, Oh, it used to get. Oh used yeah, to, it's like we talk, talk about that real quick because the Russell Okun, I know it was a year later, right? He wasn't on Super Bowl Fifty Russell. No, yeah. no, they signed him the year later, right? When Russell and look, Russell's a good dude, I guess. I don't, I don't know him personally, but when Russell stood up in the locker room and apologized, right, about the offensive, like, production that day, didn't Akeeb get up and, like, just ostracize the shit out of him? <laughs> like, didn't that happen? It was like, man, fuck that. Like, what do you mean? No apologizing. Just get it together. Just go fix it. Like, there's no apologizing. There's no – none of that apologize. And, and Russ is a great dude, like a fucking solid-ass dude. But he, he wasn't there for that run. But he wasn't so, like, there for it, you know what I mean? So he doesn't know what kind of – 
fucking psychos were on that other side of the ball. Man, so <laughs> like going back full circle to Chain it. Snatching motherfuckers. Yeah, that that was the coolest shit I've ever seen, bro. When Talib grabbed Crabtree's tra- chain and ripped it off, like Crabtree's fucking confidence and career went in the tube. <laughs> uh, that, that that alone should put him in the fucking Hall of Fame. Uh so okay, so everybody, obviously I, I think the Super Bowl fifty Broncos defense is the best defense of all time. Obviously, you two do as well. Oh yeah. Same. I mean, how can you I not? Argue it. I mean, the, night, the the 85 Bears defense, how would they have played in the way the NFL was? Yeah, I feel like it's probably going to be harder to play in today's They would have to adapt big time. I mean, oh, yeah. You could get away with more. You could bury guys the way that you should defensively. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the the athletic ability, the ground and pound game was a little different. It was not necessarily a big passing game back in the 80s the way it was with, okay, hand the ball to Barry Sanders, let him run, right. let him do business. You couldn't do that. And you guys obviously imposed your will defensively. I remember because we were talking about rule changes just briefly. 2016, you rematched the Panthers that week one. That was Cam, the opener, right? That's probably what said it because Is that when Darian Stewart like murdered Cam, right? Murdered the whole like, defense. Cam tried Cam. to slide and Darian like because he dabbed. He's Cam scored a touchdown and dabbed and the defense. I feel like you guys were like, all right, all right let you fuck do this that shit. shit. Fuck <laughs> this dude. dude. I put my dude, I chased him. I chased that motherfucker on the. I can't, I I beat the guard. Beat him with a fucking chop, you know what I mean? You know my chop. I work. Oh yeah. Beat him with the chop. Beat Trey, Trey Turner with that chop again. Got to beat him with it in the Super Bowl. Beat him in the Super Bowl. Beat him week and one. He was all pro, and I had like a fucking chip on my shoulder about it because I never got that All Pro nod, or that Pro Bowl nod. So I was like, fucking. Anytime I went against an All Pro or Pro Bowler, I was fucking motivation, baby. I was gonna try to beat their ass every play. So beat him with that chop, and then I don't like Cam Newton anyways. Like I just don't like his attitude and the way he presents himself. You're whatever. not the only one. So I fucking chase him, and he like. He gets he gets kind of stood up by somebody and I put my fucking helmet right in his spine. It's like I hit him as hard as I could. Whoa! And they got all that they got those those rib pads, you know? Oh yeah. Dude, I hit I couldn't believe he got up because I hit him as hard as I could. It hurt my fucking neck. I mean he's he's <laughs> tough. No one can say he's not no, tough. No, he's a tough dude. Well, except for the whole not going after the ball in the Super Bowl thing. Well, like it, when that happened and this just popped in my head, when he didn't reach for the ball. You guys already knew you were going to win at that point. But when you walked off the field, you're like, we got this motherfucker. It's well, over. it was crazy because I was standing there. I was standing there when it happened. Like, I'm, like, right there in, the, in that motion, seeing him come. And I see DeMarcus reaching for the ball. D-Ware was reaching for the ball. So, I was like, oh, we got it. So, I didn't – I'm not going to dive onto my own teammate, right? right? So, I didn't dive in there. But I seen him not dive. And I was like, oh, he gave up. He's done. He's done. You don't he want it no more. But I knew he gave up when I hit him in the back of the end zone. And he fucking was flopping on the ground, and then he went over the sidelines and threw his helmet and shit. Really love it. And I, I was like, he's done. It. He's he's given up. And look, as a player, in my opinion, there's nothing better than taking the will from another human on the football field. Like, and you know when it happens because eyes go down, they start talking shit to each other, and it's over. And there's blood in the water, and we're rolling. Um, before we get into Peyton Manning, and I want both of you to elaborate on a couple things, ask you a couple questions about him. Uh, I, I look, I'm a huge metalhead, okay? And you know, Bruton, you're here all the time. You hear what's on the radio. We're getting the fuck down in here. Um, you know, my kids listen to metal. Nick over there on TikTok Live, say hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. Um, <laughs> I, I look, I think that it's a, it was a major part of, it's a major part of my life. It was a major part of pregame for me. If I don't have my tunes, shit just doesn't feel right. Uh, and I still operate like that. So Colorado Center for Functional Medicine is going to bring you this next segment. And we're going to fucking rock out with Derek and Brute and Cody here and talk about a little bit of metal and what you're listening to before pregame. And uh, everybody out there in, in Instagram and Twitter and TikTok land, 
uh, you you can comment on this because this is this is big. I know Travis is a huge metalhead, fucking Pantera all day. So uh, yeah, Colorado Center for Functional Medicine, uh, all the protein that they provide down here for the Dungeon family, they're awesome. So uh, CCFM, you can follow them on Twitter now and Instagram at CCFM. So go check them out; they're awesome, uh, and they bring you this next segment of us rocking the fuck out. Matt McChesney here, and any of you that are looking to improve performance and get your health in check, reach out to our friends at the Colorado Center for Functional Medicine. Their men's health optimization plan is designed specifically for males that can identify specific health priorities which many doctors fail to address. They use precision blood work which looks at your hormones levels, your micronutrient levels, your insulin, and many other markers which are often overlooked. This plan can also include an advanced body composition analysis to see where your body fat, your muscle mass, your visceral fat levels are at any order to establish individual nutrition plans for every single client. Stop relying on fad diets, crazy workout programs, and bro science. Health and fitness are not the same thing. If you want true results, they can help you at CCFM. Mention the podcast Savage and Average to receive a 10% a 10% discount on every single optimization plan as well as a free body composition analysis and nutrition consultation. Their website is www.ccfuncmed.com. That's www.ccfuncmed.com or call them at 303-500-3038. All right, so now, look, I got about 10 here. I'm not going to go through all 10, but I got Spiral from Godsmack. Anima from Tool, which Tool's my shit. It's my favorite band of all time. More Human Than Human from Zombie. Don't Tread On Me, Metallica. And then uh, a little kick in the door from Biggie. Kick in the door, waving the 4-4. Yeah. Wolf? Uh, so, for whom the bell tolls. Oh, dude. Is like, I'll listen to it three or four times. Because it just fucking gets me going. It just like, dun 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 It just fucking gets me going. Fuck. I get <laughs> fired up every time I hear it. So, I'm fired up. Uh, you know, I'll listen to some. I'll listen to some fucking old school Eminem. Yep. Just to get going, some Marshall Matters. That, LP. that Ren Renegade or Superman, those. Yeah. All oh, that Renegade Jay Z song. That oh. fucking shit is so hard. Oh yeah. Then ah. then I'll I'll listen to some Wu Tang too. Wu Tang. Wu Tang. Tiger style. <laughs> like I'll. And, but I'm telling you that for whom the bell tolls gets me fucking going. For whom the bell tolls, brute. Man, that Super Bowl run, it was all Southpaw. The Southpaw soundtrack right there. Oh, yeah. That movie went hard. That soundtrack went hard. Yeah. I am phenomenal. Kings never die. Like, I'd be snapping that shit. Hell, I'd go to sleep listening <laughs> to that shit and wake up ready for that game. Like, that that was my shit for, the two, for those two years, yeah. But would, wouldn't you agree that the, the album, the album that, like, <laughs> the crazy thing, the album that we all listen to, as a collective, yeah. What was the what was the locker room? Purple, band? the Purple Rain album by Future. Yep. That fucking yep. Purple March Rain Madness album. and all that. That yep. shit, bro. That shit. We were on a whole nother level. Like, yep. of not giving a fuck because you know he practice. Was, he, practice it was played. He was coming fresh off a divorce with Sierra. No, no future anymore in the locker room. <laughs> no, we, oh! we ain't playing that shit anymore. Easy. <laughs> I mean, those are. <laughs> When you're, when you're trying to get your mind right, because some people, I think the way they prepare for games, right? You look at Brian Dawkins. He's, you know, he's speaking in tongues before games. Oh, he's not dude. listening to music. Brian Dawkins, pregame speeches. 
Oh, I bet. Holy shit. (laughs) Inject it right in your veins. For me, I'm a Metallica guy. So when I, when I played ball in high school, every Friday night, we would build up and we would run out to enter Sandman. We'd have cannons, smoke firing off. Yeah. And it was just like, there's something exhilarating when you're running out, right? When it just builds up, the cannons explode because we were the pirates. And all of a sudden, you know, every you know, a town of five thousand people are in the stands is, is crazy. That's, music, That's different than like so a much. stadium of seventy six thousand you guys were used to. But you know, Metallica. I mean, you mentioned Godsmack, uh, Rob Zombie. Even just go back. I, I used to listen to the Black Album a lot by Jay Z. Mm-hmm. That was what that's, I always yes, listened to. That's a good one. That's a so. fucking banger. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Ninety nine problems and the bitch is one. All right, moving on here. Uh, thank you to Colorado Center of Functional Medicine for all that they do. All right, I want to get into a, a little bit of Peyton Manning talk here. And I'm going to tell a story, um, but I, I was working for Orange and Blue uh, way back in the day. Well, you know Brandon Cristal, little Brandon. Yeah. He was my co-host. BK's my guy. And that was the that was the Super Bowl 50 year. It was pretty cool. And uh, I, I just wanted to get you and, and Dave's opinion on this, but – what really set it off for me with Peyton Manning is, yes, first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe the best ever, cognitive ability through the fucking roof, calling the play at the line of scrimmage, all that's great. But what he did against the Chargers in Week 17, when he changed the play and CJ scored that touchdown at the, back, at the front pylon on the left side, and Brock wasn't changing it the entire first half and wasn't seeing the, the, the audible, and then Peyton goes in and changes it immediately and it sparks the, the, the victory. Just his ability to go up there and see the numbers and have that kind of confidence. I mean, I know it's Peyton Manning, but that kind of shit, the normal fan doesn't see it. They don't see it. And I'm at home like, this is fucking incredible. Look what he just did. And he didn't throw the ball a wink. He didn't throw the yard. So, like, as a three technique, as a four-eye, as a defensive tackle in this league, how much better did that man make you up front? And same for, for safety and on special teams and everything, the accountability alone, but just the knowledge and the teaching and the leadership. Talk about having that man as a teammate. I mean, there was definitely – so when Peyton left, there was a hole. Fuck yeah, that was, was. There was a hole that just was not filled because it wasn't just on the field. It was the way, the, way we, the way we did everything around the building. They call him a sheriff for the reason. Everything around the building is how Peyton wants it to be, right? And Peyton is like a down-to-earth guy. This motherfucker drinks Bud Heavy after the game. Bud Heavy. Like, deep, straight diesel fuel. <laughs> Fucking David Allen Coe playing. Like, this motherfucker is a hillbilly. Like, I love him. I love that guy. Because I'll tell you, my rookie year, uh, we had a Halloween party. And Justin fucking Bannon tells uh, me, he gives me wow. some bad advice. And I show up no to No shit. Yeah. <laughs> he gives me some bad advice. And I show up to the Halloween party with a bus full of fucking... We're not good. It's, okay. it's, it's a bus thing. full of fucking strippers. Yeah, bus full of strippers. Not because he told me to do it. I was like, all right, I'm the fucking rookie. The rookie. I got to do what I'm told. The vet is telling you what to do. Yeah. Like, I'll so I show sure. up, and there's everybody in there with their wives. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> Bro. Look, man, look, they don't call him bad news, Billy Bannon, for no reason. Okay? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. There. We Billy Bannon. Big time. But they don't call him bad news, Billy Bannon, for no reason. Bad shit happens. He thought it, you know, Bannon thought it was fucking hilarious. He, he was like, hey, where are they going? Get them over here. <laughs> yeah, he was fucking, thought it was hilarious. Peyton, Peyton thought it was funny, but his wife did not think it was funny. Yeah, no kidding. None of, neither did any other wives. They're like, what the fuck? This is a family Halloween party. You know, and I'm like, oh, shit. So when, 
So, so Peyton comes up to me at like we we had like breakfast. We're at breakfast or whatever, like two days later, right? We're at the, in the facility eating breakfast, and Peyton comes up and goes, "Hey, man," he's like. Don't be bringing fucking whores and shit to the fucking family Halloween party. And I was like, I was like, all right. He's like, and watch who the fuck you're hanging. He told me, he said, watch who you're hanging out with. He's, he's not, like, he won lion. He's like, do you want to be great? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right. Well, then you got to hang out with the people that want to be great then. And I was like, all right, you're right. So These then I, facts. so then I started spending a lot more time with Elvis, and Elvis kind of put, pointed me in the right well, direction. I mean, brother, like, uh, first of all, how'd the Halloween party go? I gotta get your you know, I I had left right before those strippers came, but I was, I was not Matt, married was, at the you time. Know who else so I, you know who I probably would have been grateful. I was with Matt Prater. I was with fucking Matt Prater oh, too. God, Prater. Oh, Prater. That's another guy. We're like, oh my god, you go to JD Mates house Prater and wake up three days later. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Pretty sure that happened to him a couple times too. Yes. And didn't he like miss a full day? Or some shit. Yep, like, yep. That yeah, Britain did bro. too as well. I think yeah, Britain missed a couple as well. Wow. There was some bad shit that went down. Well, so, so look. <laughs> in I, Dallas. I, I, Remember I that shit in Dallas? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Dallas. But but look, I, I will say this. You brought it up, so I'm going I'm to talk about it. I totally and unequivocally agree that it's about who you hang out with and the people you're around. Absolutely. And uh, you know how my career ended. It's embarrassing. I mean, Bannon essentially ran me over going 60 miles an hour in a golf cart. Like, he, he was not sober. Like, <laughs> it tore my leg up bad. It ended my career. It's fucking embarrassing. No one likes that. Like, mm -hmm. I still get shit about it. Like, it was me. He hit me from the left. I can't see left. That's a bad combo. Um, but it's true. Like, if, if, if I wouldn't have gone that day to the golf course and, and hung out with him, it wouldn't have happened. And you, you're just, it doesn't really matter what you do sometimes. It's the people you're around. So it's a great learning experience at that point in your life too. And that's kind of my point about Peyton is he's not, I was around some quarterbacks, you know, like I played with Brett Farr for a short period of time when they traded him to the Jets before I went to Miami that year. And Brett was a good old boy and a nice guy, but he's not going to walk up to a young guy and be like, this is what you need to do. And this is what you don't need to do. He's just there. The fact that Peyton would like take time out of his day to walk up to the rookie because he knew you didn't have anything to do with it. Right. You, you get told by the vet yeah, they he... just got signed and got a bunch of dough and you're going to be like, okay, fuck, that's my job. I've been bringing cheeseburgers to these guys all year. Now I'm bringing strippers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the NFL so much. It's, it's so fun. fucking crazy. It's so fun. But like <laughs> just Peyton to walk up to you and go, look, I know you have a ton of potential. Uh, don't fuck it up. Be careful who you're who you're with. And then you say, "I'm going straight to Elvis now, bro." That's fucking big time, yeah. B. Like yeah, just the was... ability to tell that story too, bro. That's that's fucking big time. That'll help one of these young guys out here because, like you said, these young guys out here, man, they're so influenced by what they see on social media, and they don't understand that the one minute clip it takes, the fucking minute that I post on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. Of these guys in here working, or like Quinn Bailey was just in here for an hour busting his ass. The minute that I put up, they're like, oh, look, that looks easy. It looks fun. And that took 60, 90 minutes and yeah. 100 reps and blood, sweat, and tears to get. Yep. Like, it, it takes fucking work. You can't just show up and be like, I'm big and strong, so I'm going to play. Or I can make bad decisions, or I can drink like a fish or smoke dope and, and like not take care of my responsibilities. As grown men in the NFL, we all know that people, you know, people do what they do. But there's a difference between the guy that can get out of bed every day and act like a fucking professional and the guy who lets that creep into his, you know, his wheelhouse and fuck his entire life up yep. and his dreams. 
And, you know, in, having it inadvertently happen to you is not cool. Like, it, it sucked, but at the same time, it taught me a very valuable lesson. And, and that is that things happen, and you can either crumble or you can respond. And I don't, I don't shy away from talking about it because bad shit happens to people every day. Mm-hmm. And I feel one of the reasons that so many people dwell on it is because they don't, like, there's so many people out here judging them for their action rather than being like, bro, that's fucking terrible. And, like, hugging them up and loving them up a little bit. So I really try and take negative shit and turn it into a positive on a daily basis. And, and Brute, you're here all the time. I know that I'm hardcore on these guys. You have to be. But there's a fucking me- there's a method to the these madness, These fucking bro. kids are soft as well. Well, even the other day, like you commented on the video that I posted about the kid that fucking came in here. He came in. Yeah. Dude, he's paid the night before. This fucking kid walks in here, okay? He's here for 10. He's 10 minutes late. He's a D3 player, and that's cool. I don't care. Some of the best players that have ever been in this room are small school guys. They just got overlooked. I'm going to give him an opportunity. This fucking kid walks in here in 20 minutes, drops the ropes. I don't need to do cardio. You're full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. Fuck you. Yada, yada. That's he's why super, he's playing Division Three football. Super disrespectful. Well, he's not, I doubt he's even playing there. Like, the fact that he would do that. It's an it's like an indicator to me that there's a real there's a huge break between like having the ability to play physically and having the ability to play fucking mentally. Yep, a massive one. Yep. And the, the what really set it off for me, I was telling Cody this before we started the show. His fucking dad called me. Oh god. And so it's daddy calls me, and daddy calls me. And he goes, "Why did you say to my son?" And I was like, "I told him to get the fuck out." Is exactly <laughs> what I said to him after he came at me. And he's a 20-year-old grown-ass man, bro. Like, who the fuck are you talking to? If you want respect, earn it. So yeah, the, right. that's one thing that we can say to this generation. I know that you guys agree with me on that one. Take yeah, that. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> these kids. <clears throat> here's it, it all started with the fucking participation trophies. Oh, God. Everybody's Everybody a fucking, fucking winner. Ribbon. Everybody's ribbon. a fucking winner. Everybody's this. Like, no. Not everybody's the same. All right? We all start. We can all be give. We all start the same. All right? equal. We're all equal. But some people level. They take themselves above that and they push themselves. Amen. And it's up here. When you said that the mental, the mental part of this game. When you get to the NFL, everybody is fucking hurt at all times. You're as soon as that first day of training camp is over, everybody feels like shit for the rest of the year. For the next six months, you're gonna feel yep. like shit every day. Yep. And then you're gonna spend the next the six months after that trying to get back and ready. And then you're gonna feel really good the day before camp. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna show up to camp. And you're gonna feel like shit again. And you're gonna keep doing it. And you're just gonna do it until you can't do it anymore. And that's just the way it goes. And but mentally, people can't handle that shit. They can't handle it. Just like we were talking about, right? Like the drinking, the smoke, and all that other bullshit. They can't handle the fact that like all their buddies and get to go out and have a good time and party like and shit. Missing out on something. Like they're like they're missing out. Well, guess what? All those motherfuckers that are doing that wish they were in your shoes. They would do what you're doing. Yep. They would right. all trade that shit for this. Right. It was just like in college, right? Think about a college. In college, all like yeah, college was a great time, right? But most of the t- you get two weeks off a year as a college football player. You get one week in the summer and one week in the winter. I just wish somebody in college, like one thing that I really have a lot of pride in is all my college guys. And, you know, like you know Sam Jones. He didn't spend yeah. a lot of time in Denver. He got hurt, hurt his back really bad, but. He was one of our guys. Started Thunder Ridge High School, gets drafted. Dalton Rice was one of our guys. Started 14 years old, gets drafted. Phil Lindsay's one of our guys. That's just three off the top of my head that ended up in Denver. There's guys everywhere, all over college football. Travis' son, Connor, goes to Michigan. and Jake Wiley and Josh Bates. And, I mean, Cole Taylor and Zoon and all these guys starting all over college football. And one of the things that I can really sit back and the, the biggest source of honor and pride that I have 
in this business is the ability for me to say to them, be careful what you're doing, man. Take this opportunity of next four or five years and act like you're a professional now if that's where you want to go. Because if anybody would have told me this when I was in college, I felt like the coaches in college were like scared to like reprimand us almost to a point because they thought like people were transferring shit. Yeah. And I can't like. Nowadays they will. Well, they will now, yeah. <laughs> but like Coach Wilson, who's now the defense coordinator up at CU, I remember him saying to me when, right before I went into my junior year, like, if you don't knock this shit off, you're going to fucking blow your opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it really rung true to me at that point, and it was too late. Like, at that point, I'd already done enough damage where I had character issues and shit. And it didn't really matter if I could play. They were like, he's undrafted, and we'll just get him undrafted because we've got a, a way to knock him down the list. So, for these kids, I hope the NIL, and I hope that the, the you know, the Instagram pages and the Twitter fears and the TikToks and all this bullshit, I hope it forces them to be more responsible because they don't want to be embarrassed. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's one of the benefits of it. Well, when I, when we'll think about it, when the cut, when an NFL team goes into a college and they send their scouts in there, yep. they go to the bars you go to, they go to the restaurants you eat at, yep. they talk to everybody. They go to, they go talk to your teachers. They talk to your guidance counselors. They talk to everybody to find out who the fuck you are and what you're about. So anything that you do that is painted in a negative they're light, know. they're going to find out. Any little fuck up you have, they're going to find it out. So if you're one of those guys that likes to get drunk and go out and act like a dickhead all the time, they're going to know. If you're a bad teammate, they're going to know. Because you're, you you got to remember, these college coaches aren't going to put their reputation on the line. For no, you. absolutely not. It's, a, it's like the same thing I say to the kids in here when they come sign up. I'm like, look, man, it's all – look, I'll, I'll help you. But you have to show up. You have to show out. you got to fucking work. You have to post. You have to do the work. I'm the bridge. I'm the foundation, dog. I already did the work. That's why you have this foundation to work with. So if you walk in here and you make me look bad, when I call a coach, I don't sell shit. I don't sell training to kids. I don't sell kids to coaches. I am not in the fucking sales business. I'm in the developmental business. So if you walk in here and you're going to put your money where your mouth is and invest in yourself, right? And then I say to a coach, like, you really need to look at this kid. He can fucking ball. He's going to help you keep your job and win football games. In turn, he's going to get what he wants from a monetary standpoint. Maybe he gets to the NFL. That's awesome. And then the kid goes to school, and a month later, he's in the fucking transfer portal, or he's not going to class, or he's acting like an asshole. That, in turn, makes me look like a piece of shit. Yep. So, you yeah, know, so they're not going to come back here. Why would they come back? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's one of the reasons I'm so brutally honest, and people don't understand it. And then I look at them, and I go, well, you're not from my world. How would you fucking understand? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They don't understand it's it until it's too late. Exactly. And then they're fans. And I always say, like, we started this TikTok page like seven weeks ago, and it's fucking exploding. And the people on TikTok are ruthless, bro. Like, they'll just dive into people and just rip them apart. And then I go to the guy's page, and he's got, like, four followers and shit. And, like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? But, like, I always tell my guys, don't even read the comments. I'm like, why not? And I'm like, you don't fucking pay attention to what the fans say. Yeah, yeah you don't. Shit, it does not matter. Do, do your fucking job. Yeah. It's a man in the arena home. All that matters, all that like, I always said this, right? So, like, pro football, I'm a big believer that pro football focus is the biggest fucking joke there ever was. It's pretty That's, shitty. Like, it's fucking bullshit. I always thought it was bullshit. <laughs> they don't know what your assignment is. They have is. no fucking idea. They have no, they have no clue. Like, I bet you if you sat them, sat them down in a room, it would be a bunch of dudes with dyed fingers like Cheetos. Yeah, they okay, all, like, they're all in oh, Europe. Yeah, I, I think they're all up. European guys from Europe, like, over in Europe watching these games fucking... 
great giving you a grade that yeah. kids that people are like putting all this fucking hype around. Well, I, a lot of the fucking front office people put hype into it. They and, like, do sign guys based on oh, PFF yeah, grades. Yeah, and, and have your there's incentives on it. Like if you're oh yeah. They do incentives and contracts for PFF. There's been all, time. all types Shut of shit. The fuck up, for real. There's been all types of shit. Oh, yeah. Dude, like, dude, there's all kinds of. Do, do guards and centers and tackles get PFF incentive grades and shit? I'm sure they can work. It's I'm up sure to. Work I'm it sure out, they man. work that out. Yeah. There's so much weight. Well, the thing, there's all shit. pros and Pro Bowls. Give, think about that. The Pro Bowl is a fucking. It's like a, it's a popularity contest, contest it's right? It to be. It is definitely it's not, not the best say. player going, right? The best players in each position are going. It's the most popular position players in each position. Yep. Going. That's why guys that are like JJ Watt gets fucking sent. He's been injured. And he's like, why the fuck are you giving me, why a, pro bowl? Send me the pro bowl? I didn't even I fucking didn't play. play. Yeah. And they're like, oh, because you're the most popular one. Yep. Because that's what the, that's the fucking way it goes. So the media gets to pick and choose who they put. You know what I'm saying? It's How fucking bullshit. I remember watching the Pro Bowl when I was I don't a kid. Know. And I was like, these guys are flying around fucking killing each other. They get rid of it. I watched. Sean I think Taylor they should get rid of it. Hunter once. Yeah, Sean murder. Taylor, yeah. That was the best fucking <laughs> I've ever seen. I think you get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. That's how you fix it. Yeah, yeah. Damn, you get rid of it. And you focus. <laughs> you get rid of it. And you focus on All Pro. Yeah, that's the yeah. All Pro. That's, all, that's, that's it. it. That's yeah. the you know what I think? The All Pro is what matters. That would be really cool. Is they do a rookie second year game? I think those guys would play hard. Yeah, but you run into that. Injury, really. injury. That's, that's why we don't have all the shit like basketball. That, Touche. Yeah, that's that was the injury. Thing. We're playing Clay. an impact. It's impact injuries. Well, yeah, remember Ryan Clay when I was playing for the Broncos, Clay Achilles. tore his fucking Achilles or his ACL or one of the two, and ACL. it like ended his career. Basketball. I mean, he played still, but he wasn't the same. Yeah. But you know, I, I think a flaw with even like all pro voting too is a lot of voters don't watch all the games. They watch, they look at stat boxes, which stats, I mean, they have their value, but it's missing context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if I'm looking at a defensive back, what is his passer rating when targeted? Like, is he, does he have a below 60 threshold? Like Patrick Sertan had a 66 Mm -hmm. passer rating when targeted this season. How come he didn't get any consideration? Because he was one of the best in the league at that outside of of AJ Terrell. Fucking rookie. Yeah. So, and and to that point, it's like, they don't know if it's a heavy man scheme. Like we did versus the, the, cover zero, dog yep. blitz. Well, here's the other thing you're forgetting. Or is it cover three? Like the, here's the other the thing you're for, you're forgetting about Madden. Yeah, you're forgetting about Madden. Oh, the point. shit. These kids are playing Madden. These fans are playing Madden. Yep. So who's the best? If you're if your fucking numbers are high on I kick on my Madden, son's ass on Madden all the time too. So just sort of like take your fucking ass. Madden because you know, right, speed was so why is, so, they, so bad. They, yeah, I was always <laughs> like, what the fuck is this bullshit? So like like Jamar Chase, right? Jamar Chase is like ranked. He's his numbers are lower than Amari Cooper. Jamar Chase had a better season as a rookie than Amari Cooper's ever had. Jamar Chase is a monster. Absolute, oh. absolute monster. You know, I get to play against Cincinnati a bunch. You know, these last two years, so All right, I know so, how good so they let's are. Let's get into the Ravens, and then well, first, well, okay, we'll get into the NFL the whole here in a second. Hold on. There's one thing I want to talk about here that I definitely want to get your opinion on. I want to get your opinion on, and it's not politically correct by any means. I don't give a fuck. Okay, <laughs> I am pissed off about this, and I think it's ridiculous. Okay, so Leah Thompson or Mark Thompson or Phil or whatever his name is, um, the swimmer from Penn who set world records as a dude swimming against females, um, is now by, of course, the fucking NCAA and all their spectacular gander. You guys are awesome. Um, they nominate this dude, chick, whatever. They nominate her for female athlete of the year. And look, man, 
I don't give a fuck, really. I don't care about swimming. I'm not watching any of the events. I'm, I'm like, really pissed off for the female athletes. Like, these ladies, these women are getting totally fucking jobbed. Yep. This is this is not cool, bro. And it's not, not cool at all. It's not like a. And look, if you're gonna get pissed off at me for not being politically correct and left enough for you, then that sucks. I don't give a fuck. We're in the United States of America. Like mm-hmm. my opinion counts. Just because you can scream louder at the phone and like call me an asshole, that doesn't make you right. And this is if you say you have a daughter and she's busted her ass her whole life on a level playing field. And she gets to the finals, and she's got to go against a full-grown-ass man that just feels like a woman today. Like, who are you, Shania Twain? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I mean, how, how a, do you guys feel about this? Well, I'm I know a, it's a touchy subject. I'm a, father to, I'm a father to two daughters, and I think it's total bullshit. It's got to be. Total fucking bullshit. If, like, I'm not discrediting that, there's, that transgenderism That's is like a thing, right? That's about. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if the transgender should have their own... Their own fucking, their their whole own fucking thing. Their own. Everybody should go race each other. Okay, this is the transgender division. There you go. Right? Then it's fair. Then it's fair. Because it's not fair when you have a bio, somebody who went through puberty as a male. Yep. Who has testosterone levels that that men do and the fucking bone structure and the muscle structure. Did you see how much fucking bigger he is than the the females? I mean, it's just not, it's just not fair. Like, it's not fair and it's sad. It's sad, really. Like it's, I can't believe that the NCAA... Well, I can because the NCAA is a fucking joke. But at the same time, like... How can you sit in a room with rational people and make a decision that because this guy decided that... And look, I don't know this to be true, but I would guess that he didn't want to be 400th. He was ranked 400th. I know. And he was like, I want to win. And the only way that I can do it is to say that I'm a female. And that, bro, like, I, the world that we're living in, I guess I'm just a caveman, but I don't fucking get it. No. I don't get it, bro. I don't no, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. They want us to live in their fucking delusion with them. They want us to play make-believe with them. I, I can't and, do it. Like, can't do it. And deny that, deny that a man is a man and a woman is a woman and then chromosomes and this and that. And they're like, well... Yeah, okay. I'm not saying that you don't that he doesn't think he's a woman. He doesn't feel like a woman. He's but he's not. He's biologically a male. And if he wants to go down that road, more power to you, bro. I don't it doesn't affect Yeah, I don't say you shouldn't do it. But you shouldn't be allowed to compete against fucking women. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. That that there's a reason why there's a reason why there's two divisions. There's a reason why there's a reason why he was four hundredth in the men's division and he's the best fucking ever. Like I can't believe that there's there's people that fight and wrestle and do this too, right? Like there's fighters that are, that are transgender that grew up a man and now they're fighting as a woman just out there pummeling some chick. And yes, she knows how to fight and she signed up for it. But did she, but she didn't sign up to, to fight, fight a dude? A man? No, she didn't sign up to My fight God. a fucking dude. If I, if I went transgender and I walked into a, a, a MMA ring, I wouldn't even need to know how to fight, dog. I'm 6'5", 300 pounds. I've been a man my whole life and I'm nasty as fuck and I'll, I'll kill a motherfucker you give me the opportunity to and I can get away with it. And now I'm in a ring, and like my job is to go pummel this chick. Yeah, it's it not just, fair. It, I don't think I could do it mentally. Well, just think about myself. like even weightlifting and stuff, right? Like it's just totally different. It, it, everything is different. It's about not. It. How it's do you not feel fair, about it, Cody. Well, you know, as a coach, I mean, there's there's times like even in football. You know, I coach high school football, and so one of the things we did is we've integrated female athletes that want to play football, whether they kick, play running back, like come play. Absolutely love that. 
to your point though, you have daughters, let's say they're competing. I mean, they probably feel, they would feel completely robbed that they put in, as you mentioned, blood, sweat, tears, lifetime of training at the NCAA level, just to get there to the highest level. And then all of a sudden it just get pulled out. From and that's right. all the female swimmers at these events. That's what they said. Like if you saw like the, the female athletes that were second, third, and fourth, they were all by they the brought up the fourth place yeah. lady and they stood on the podium with them and they all went and stood on their own and he, she's standing up there gloating that she won and that i guess she did so good for her but i don't know man this well didn't is they just didn't they just situation. didn't they just now say that they can't compete yeah but so that's my thing like that's why i'm bringing this up is she can't compete anymore but she can still win the ncaa female athlete of the year award oh that's fucking bullshit I mean, come on man it's how do you expect people to take this seriously why don't you name them the, the transgender athlete of the year it, like it, that's what I'm saying. Give them their own the label on somebody at that point. But well, I, no, they labeled themselves as transgender. I agree. <laughs> they did that to Fuck! The, they labeled them. They labeled themselves that. They, I'm not saying that they like wired themselves out. First of all, we could talk about. I think that like what's being put in our food and all that shit is, and the, the vaccines and all that shit is what's causing Oof. these. Those are some, that's some conspiracy yeah. theory. Well, I do. Theory. I think that they're fucking with well, people's I will hormones. Say this. I will say this, bro. And I'm not saying it's because of this, but I will say it. I got vaccinated. I got one shot okay, way back in like a, a year ago because I didn't want to like, I wanted to be able to go to games and do my job. And they said, if you wanted to be able to do this, you got to get a shot. You got to show them a card. So I went and got it. And a month later, I started getting gout and I've had it since then. And it is awful. I can't get rid of it. I take medicine for it every day. And I never even sniffed gout before. So I'm not saying it's because of it, but I'm also saying it's not. They weren't touching me with that fucking shot. Yeah, shit, man. I regret I'll it. Pay I'll pay all the fines. I'll, I don't give a shit. You know, they were not going to touch me with it. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I regret it. I'm not going to lie. All right. So moving forward here, we'll see what happens with the NCAA and that. And I'm sure that'll, it, it'll spark some people's interest and see, and we'll have, see what they have to say. And then have some people angry about it. We'll see what they have to say. But the beauty of the country we live, we live in is that, you know, non-cowards will sit down and talk about it and figure it out. And that's what we are. We're the non-cowards. We yeah. will talk about anything and everything. Just because you don't like it, that don't mean shit to us. We're still going to talk about it. All right. So moving forward here, uh, our friends at Rico's Burritos, uh, we need a refill because we've been hounding these burritos in here, bro. My kids love them. Uh, Rico's Burritos is going to bring you our next segment here on the National Football League. Uh, and, and all things NFL. This is Matt McChesney from Savage and Average, the owner and operator down here at Six Zero Football Academy, and I want to talk to you about our friends over at Rico's Burritos. Uh, the Rico Burritos keep me rolling on a daily basis. My sons eat them constantly. My 12-year-old my over here is staring at me right now as he scarfs down uh, another one of these badass burritos from Rico's Burritos. It's a hearty 10-ounce breakfast burrito offered in eight different flavors, three delicious uh, breakfast combinations, five scrumptious lunch options, and the the pride that is taken in offering a high-end restaurant quality burrito uh, is second to none. The finest ingredients you can find, authentic recipes that have been in the Garcia family for 30 years. Uh, young Cruz is in the program over here working his ass off on a daily basis. Uh, Rick Garcia, his father, played at Oregon State back in the day. And they, they put the same passion and intensity that they have in every walk of life and their training and chasing everything down that they want into their family business, Rico's Burritos. Uh, for over 30 years, the ingredients and flavors uh, have been identified as the best in the business. 
And the moment you bite into one of these unbelievably delicious burritos, you will know. Uh, check it out. The website is www.ricosburritos.com. That's www.ricosburritos.com. And it'll give you all the locations, how to purchase the burritos, so on and so forth. On Facebook and Instagram, Facebook is at Rico's Burritos, and Instagram is Real Rico's Burritos. That is Rico's Burritos, a proud sponsor of Savage and Average over here at 6-0 Football Academy, and we are rolling. All right, so rolling forward here, last segment here on Savage, and just a little bit average here as we roll uh, from 6-0 Football Academy down here in Parker. I'm your host, Matt McChesney, as always. Derek Wolf to my left, 10-year NFL vet. So great, so great to have him here on site today. Cody Rourke in house. Thanks to David Bruton for coming in and sitting in. David runs between the lines PT out of here uh, and always working with the guys and the Dunch family and all the athletes he brings in. So it's always great to have him step in as well. Um, okay, so first of all, did you see the Broncos' white helmets yesterday? No. You guys didn't see this? No. Was so that, the Broncos wore, real? well, I don't know if it's real or not. I don't know if it was, like, it was on Twitter last night's white helmets. I'm praying to God that's not the alternate. How yeah. do you guys feel about the alternate helmet thing? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be the dark blue with the D, yes. which I think they should go to fully. Absolutely. Um, what do you think about that? A- anything but that fucking all-orange bullshit. You don't like the all-orange? I hated it. <laughs> I always hated it. I felt like I looked like a fucking pumpkin. Like a creamsicle? Yeah, I was like, I look stupid in this. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They fit. The, those jerseys also fit a lot tighter. Oh, they like fit the terribly. They fit terribly. They rip. Can't breathe. Can't breathe. It fucking takes like four guys to put it on. Uh, getting them off is the worst, bro. I always have to like bend over and like, pull, oh, pull, yeah. pull, 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 pull. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I Look, if the Broncos went back to the the D, and then I, I personally think we're ready for a rebrand. I mean, you you played in that uniform your whole life. How, how do you feel about it? You think I mean, they, I they think go back yeah. to the D, or you like the style? I like the D. Like the D. Yeah, the D. Is I like the, the I like the D on the helmet. That shit is the best. Yeah, fuck it's D fucking Travis. cool. I know what he's gonna yeah, say. It's okay. We I know what he's both saying. like the D over here. <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah, haha. <laughs> um, but yeah, the D on the helmet. I think it's one of the best fucking helmets in football and i hope they go back to it what do you think see i think they will do it because i mean you know hey russell wilson is now the face you have a brand new owner but more so like even russ has been putting out these subliminal like posts with the old school logo he's had it up on his computer like people like i haven't looked into this i'm not i don't want to research someone's instagram post like that but there are people out there that have done that i think i think it'll be about a year you know because even the giants just announced today they're going back to the old school. Giants? Yes. Really? They're going back nice. to the old school. Um, so Denver would be, I think, remiss not to. I mean, players have approached. I know that several players I've talked to said, you know, we've gone to Joe Ellis and we've said, hey, can we change the uniforms? Can we change? Can we go back to the old logo? And it's becoming more popular amongst the fan base, too. Oh, shit, yeah. man. I miss it. I grew up with that logo, and I miss it. I'm not going to lie. It's old school. It symbolizes what Denver Broncos football truly is. Is, is the all-black Ravens with the purple trim? Oh, like, dude. Is that the hardest uniform in football? Dude, it is, is that so shit, fucking... When you guys you feel out fucking good wearing it, you know? And you're wearing that uniform, I'm like, wow, somebody's about to get fucked up. Dude, <laughs> that... that Dude, that was a fucking badass uniform. That all-black... Yep. The black jersey in general was just... It's just hard. The black and purple... I mean, you played at Cincinnati. You guys are black and red and white, right? Yeah, black and, and red. I played at CU. We're black and gold. And you guys had all blue. You guys wore all black every home game, right? Yeah. You guys were all black. 
We wore all black half the home games. I think all black is the best combination for a jersey. Oh, absolutely. I'm a well, it's great Georgia, for big. I'm a it's huge Georgia blue fan, obviously. But it's all great for big shit. guys because it makes yeah, you look makes better. Makes you look slim. Yeah, it makes, makes you look, look better. Yeah. And then you throw yeah. that fucking white jersey on, you look like, like a fucking fat boy. Look like a goddamn <laughs> fucking cream puff marshmallow. Yeah, it's terrible. That's the kind shit when you're playing an afternoon game at one o'clock on the turf field and at elevation. It doesn't matter. You feel like such a badass. I'm gonna be dying out there. It doesn't matter. I could be in a. I could be in a fucking ice suit. Yeah, still sweating. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. <clears throat> I'm not going to go through every division and whatnot, but we are going to talk about some of the good teams in the National Football League right now. And and look, if you're looking at the AFC, the seven AFC playoff teams I have right now, I got the one seed being the Colts. I think that Matt Ryan is going to absolutely shine this year. I love their defense. I got the two seed being Buffalo, the three seed, the Baltimore Ravens, the four seed, the Raiders. I know you don't like that, but still. The five seeds, the Titans, the six seeds, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the seventh seed is your Denver Broncos. Uh, so that means Kansas City and the Chargers are on the fucking outside looking in. And it's not it's not popular, but I think I don't I think Kansas City is primed to kind of be humbled this year a little bit. And I don't think Justin Herbert is better than Russell or Carr right now. So what what are you guys' thought on the AFC right now? I think it's start. stacked. I think it's, it's, it's fucking so stacked, good, right? Well, here's the thing with Baltimore. If Baltimore can stay healthy, how good are they? On dude. Well, last year, what were you guys eight and four before Lamar got hurt? First of all, we had the most people on IR than That's any right. team the in the history. Right. Before Did the you season, lose all your running backs, all the running backs, and if they can stay healthy, which it's a big if, if, you know, it's a big if. They can stay healthy. They will be a fucking problem. Yeah, I think they're gonna be because right. Lamar is a fucking. So, so talk about him. We obviously you played with Peyton and everything he brought to the table, and then you got to go play with Lamar Jackson, who's an NFL MVP already. And just, I watch this guy play sometimes, and I'm like, how the fuck did he do that, dude? The shit he does in practice, Harbaugh's always like, whoa, chill out, like, don't hurt, don't get fucking hurt, you know. <laughs> but he's a, such a freak athlete that he can just make shit happen, you know. And he's a humble, humble yeah. guy. Like, do, do you think extremely. he gets? A, do you think he gets a fucking bad rap? I, I, mean, I think people ride his ass way too. I hard. think so too, and I think that he handles it very well, because he could just be a dick if he wanted to, and he's not. Yeah. He's a he great dude. Himself too. I love that shit. And they like they have to sit in the room and talk to him man to man instead of like dogging him out to an agent. Yeah, I think personally that'll help him in negotiations because I I don't think that they'll sit in there and be like you don't do this well you don't do this well because they're just looking and be like okay then I'll just go somewhere else fuck you. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I, I feel like the Ravens internally, I, I, we just saw this mega contract with Deshaun. I don't know what that will do, especially with Russell Wilson We're probably going to be getting this, one at some point. Kyler Murray's in line for an yeah. extension. But, you know, you look at Lamar, I feel like he, he, he gets too harsh of criticism. I don't think he deserves it in a sense because I'd say his rookie season, what was one of the biggest things he needed to improve on? And we saw it in the playoff game. Okay, he needs to work on his passing mechanics. Accuracy. He did that the yep. next year, and he worked on it the, you know, the last year as well. The Broncos and Vic Fangio went into the matchup last year and said, we're going to force him to beat us with his arm. You know what he did? He did just that. Slice him up. He's got a, he's got a big arm and he's far more. And when you have guys like Mark Andrews, who's unbelievably hard to cover. Good player. Ridiculous to cover. One of the best tight ends in the game that doesn't get talked about enough. All right. So give me your thoughts on, look, I think Buffalo and I I have Buffalo going to the Super Bowl playing Tampa Bay when it comes down to it. That's my pick. And Buffalo winning the Super Bowl. 
Um, talk to me about Buffalo, Josh Allen. They get Vaughn. Bro, I, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, holy shit, this team's fucked. Absolutely stacked. And now you have Vaughn Miller. Like, the one thing that they struggled with last year, rushing the passer, and you know a motivated Vaughn Miller is the maybe the scariest thing an offensive lineman can see. I mean, dude, he is – so for eight, I played with Vaughn for eight years. Next, right next to him. And not only did you play with him, but I've never seen a cleaner, like four eye outside linebacker read combo, grab the fucking shoulder pad of the tackle, hold him, fucking the way you guys played the games and read off of each other. It was fun. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a cleaner transition through the time you guys played against or with each other in my entire life between a tackle and a defenseman. People don't understand the relationship between. The, the work of four I put in, because I played the position my whole rookie year, and I had John Abraham outside of me. John Abraham was a fucking animal. But, like, the ability for that four eye to play into the tackle and give that pass rusher just that one extra inch or step. Like, I don't yeah. think you get enough credit. Like, you should get a half sack every time he gets one. Well, <laughs> well, well, think about this. So, in eight years, there was 100 sacks. Only six of them I wasn't involved in. And I'm not point. saying that I caused no, that no, or no, he didn't just gone. go beat the guy. But it's the it's the but scheme it's, it's the and, scheme and the job. shit we're doing. Because you think if I go up and grab a tackle that next time that it's third down, he's not thinking, fuck, he might grab he's me. Grab me yeah. But guess what I'm doing? Instead of grabbing him, I'm going to fucking pin him and he's going to wrap around. Exactly. And but he's going to get a sack. Even Vaughn even said, he's like, I owe a lot of you know the sacks that I've been able to get due to Derek because of the fact he's commanding a double team. He's taking that offensive tackle's attention away. Like, if you get an offensive tackle with half attention on Vaughn, Dude, his athletic ability, his bend. I mean, you yeah, talk about the, the best. Guys. He's got three D rush ability. Dude, he like, runs. He runs. He runs full speed this far from the it's fucking three D rushing right, left, and Von Miller. <laughs> it is unbelievable. You talk about that fucking ghost. That that ghost rush. Ghost arm, bro. Well, that's the thing. That's here's he the other thing. The here's the thing about Von. He did it the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati tackle. Oh, it was disgusting. <laughs> it was disgusting. And it's he's a his pass rushing ability is so filthy. And when he like. Is when he Vaughn, the best pass rusher ever? I think so. From a from a skill position uh, standpoint. It has to be. From pure skill, as far as like taking pure skill, this dude can I mean, there's nothing he can't do. You think what Bruce have 201 or 198, 199? 200. I think it's 200. 200. 200. He said so he wants you, to get there. You think you think Vaughn is healthy enough and long longevity enough to get I mean, you say you say roughly t- 12 to 15 sacks for 6 years. Yes? <laughs> I think, yeah. in I the think it's possible. I mean, have you seen, yeah, have you seen him train? He's like, a freak. Oh, my God. He's, his regimen is Absolute ridiculous. freak. Dude, he's a freak. He's now a he, fucking freak. He's going to be playing with the lead again, too. So, like, one of the things is you guys played with the lead a lot because you had Peyton. He's going to be playing with the lead a lot. He's got Josh Allen at Diggs yeah. and all these fucking dudes and yeah. great offense. So, man, Buffalo's going to be fucking scary, If they too. find ways to scheme him up one and get him one-on-ones, I mean, if he gets a one-on-one five oh. times – He's going to win four of them. Exactly, at yep. least. So you strip sack fumbles, pressures, everything he brings to the And table. that's the other thing. He, when he gets to the quarterback, he's not just trying to get him to the ground. He's trying to take the ball away from yep. him. Yeah, he's, he's, I've never seen anybody better at taking the ball. Yeah, he I takes will, it. I will he's say like a this. lion when he gets there. He just fucking like, he'll like take both hands <laughs> off the ground and fucking lion. pounce. And ah! Did you ever see that clip of that guy that was feeding a lion? Like had this big piece of meat. And went to go throw it over. The lion never lost focus on the guy. Didn't focus on the didn't focus on the meat. Just stared right at the guy. That's what I look at Von Miller when he's got that that look in his eyes and he's, bam. He knows when the snap's coming. Mm-hmm. That's you can't coach that. And since we're talking about pass rushers here, I have the Raiders winning the West. And look, I'm I'm a Bronco. I don't like fuck the Raiders, but 
I can't say fuck Max Crosby. That's my guy. Oh, that guy. I love Max savage. Crosby. He's my guy. We're boys. He's a fucking he's a monster animal, bro. And not only an animal, he knows he is, and he's like on top of his game. He wants to be a Hall of Famer, and I think he can do it. Like he talk about Max Crosby's game, what you see out of '98, because I think he's on the verge. He had the most pressures in football last yeah. year. He was a step away from being like 20, a 20 sack guy. He was first team, uh, wasn't he first team all pro or second team, something like that, but he was a pro bowler and he's, he's got a huge contract. He's the, you know, they, I, I love that they drafted Colin Farrell fourth and they drafted Max in what the third or fourth round. And Max just went in there and he was like, I'm taking this dude's bag. Yeah. Yep. When that, and that's how it is when you get to the league. Well, you, fucking, you're taking somebody's job. Get motivated with it. You're taking somebody's job. That's just the way it goes. Talk to me about Max. Max. So Max, Max is like that perfect combination of skill and engine. Like his motor is it unreal. Stops. Doesn't stop. I love it. But he also he's not just that fucking guy that that is like you know typical fucking white guy just plays hard. No, <laughs> he fucking plays hard. Who's offense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fucking a- plays hard. And he has a fucking skill set. And he has, like, he has spin moves. He has long arms. He has ghost rushes. He knows how to use his hands. You know, when he gets to the quarterback, he's trying to take the ball. And he, uh, he has, a, he has, a, he has like a nose for it. You know, he just makes has, everybody better, too. He, did, he yeah. like demands everybody plays hard. Yeah. And he pushes the guys around him to be better. And he's a good teammate. And I never played with him, but I know, like, I, I've been around him a couple times. And I just, I love the guy. I think he's a fucking awesome guy. And I think he's going to, I think he has the ability to be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. And then uh, I wanted, look, I got to give some love here if we're going to talk about pass rushers to Trey Hendricks. He's in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the gloveless wonder. I don't know how he fucking does that, by the way. My fingers would hurt so bad. He's a big reason they beat the Chiefs. He's a fucking animal, bro. And yeah. he's another one of these guys, like, just motor all day. And it's like, if you can, if you sense one thing about today's show, we are talking about guys that play hard, do it right, love the game, and it's consistent. Everybody that we're talking about, the way we talk about each other, it's it, you can tell there's you can tell that the football guys that know the other guy could play and they have respect on how hard they did it and what they do and how they give back. We all feed off of that shit. Mm-hmm. And everybody, that's the mutual that's when you see ball players like I was in the fucking Branson, Missouri airport like three weeks ago and I, I ran into to a guy I played with in college and everybody in the place is like who are these two? And I'm like, motherfucker, And the people yeah. don't understand why we love each other like that. It's because we've all been through it. And, and you know, not to, not to like, get off on a rant here or anything, but it's one of the reasons, like, I watched these guys play hard. Hendricks was a late-round draft pick. Like, nobody thought he could do it. And now he's a fucking pro bowler. Yep. So I had to mention him as well. All right, the NFC, before we put a bow on today. Um I got Tampa Bay one. I think that Tom Brady is going to have them rolling. Antonio Brown's gone. Gronkowski being gone is big, but the, I like Cameron Brady. They got some dudes. The Rams, too. I like Minnesota to win the North, uh, I, but I still think Green Bay makes the playoffs. I got the Eagles winning the, the East. Uh, the fifth seed is the Packers. The sixth seed is the Saints. I love their defense. Cameron Jordan's a fucking animal. And I got the I got the uh, here's a kicker Washington, with the Saints. Washington football team. Here's a kicker with here's a kicker with the Saints. Yeah. They got Mark Ingram on the team still. You want, dude? Mark Ingram, listen, dude. He's still playing. Mark Ingram is the best teammate I've ever been with. Okay, that, ever. that's fucking high praise, bro. Dude, I'm telling you, the best teammate. Really? He brings the fucking energy every fucking day. Hard. He brings it every day, and his his positivity is fucking through the roof. 
Like, he is a fucking awesome dude. Love that guy. Like, I, I think New Orleans is really going to be a scary squad. I, I, Jameis Winston is my favorite, but he's he's serviceable when, when he's healthy and good. I really I love Tyson Hill. I wish he could throw the ball better, but he's like a modern-day Tebow to me a little bit. But he's he just a little bit faster, more athletic, and less preachy, um, <laughs> which I dig. They get Michael Thomas back. Michael Thomas. So, is Michael Thomas done? Is he a product of Drew Brees? I don't know. I think this will really answer. He's coming off the ankle injury, but they also added Chris Olave too, and he's, he's a, a, he's a blaze maker kid, across yeah. the field. So, so how, how do you feel cool. about the NFC there and, and all those all those picks? Look, Tampa Bay, you played with Shaq. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that people in Denver regret letting Shaq Barrett go. That guy's a fucking animal. All he does is make plays. Why would you want him on your team? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these these are questions. These are questions. That's something Bill Collar would say. People have asked. Bill's like, all he does is make plays when he goes out there. Why would yeah, you want him out there? <laughs> fucking Bill. All right, <laughs> folks. Look, this was a hell of a show. I don't know if we've ever done one better. Um, I'm your host, Matt McChesney. This is Six Zero Football Academy down here in Parker. Uh, you can go to at Six Zero Football Academy at Six Zero Strength uh, on 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 the internet machine on the Google machine. Check it out. On Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Six Zero Academy. On TikTok, at Six Zero Academy underscore 60. Um, we have a ton of content. It's on TikTok Live. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, Derek, brother. Thanks for having me. That brother. was fucking awesome, bro. Yeah, we got to do it man. again. Yeah. Best Anytime. of luck to you in the future and, and your, your beautiful family. And I know you'll be, you know, around Denver and shit. And uh, we'll see what happens in the future. Cody is our new uh, our new. Uh, co-host here for Savage and Average, and he's going to be with us on all the shows moving forward. Make sure you check him out at Mile High Sports. He's he's on there killing it on the daily, and follow him on social media as well. So, David Bruton, thank you so much for coming on. He had to go do his job and, uh, and rub some plush hamstrings. Um, <laughs> but uh, that is episode four. I am your host, Matt McChesney. Travis Jones, tip of the cap to you, brother. Nick, thank you so much for doing TikTok. And we are back to the fucking grind. Derek Wolf, my man. Wrap it up.